All right, guys, we're here with Jakub Kowalski today, and this is your first podcast as well, isn't it, man? So thanks for coming on. How are you going? Yes, it's my first, first podcast, and uh, thank you for inviting me. I'm glad I can be here and talk with you. Uh, I'm good, man. I'm just chilling on the Sunday, you know, so awesome. it's okay. Yeah, no, you're very welcome, man. Uh, your Instagram has uh, interested me, and what's the word uh, intrigued me in terms of the type of content that you're putting out and the research that you're highlighting to go and check out. Uh, but what I usually like to do with my podcast guests is ask if they can just give the viewers a little bit of a background and for myself, a little bit of a background in your training. So where you started, whether like, did you start as a kid, teenager and what, processes happen to lead you to where you are today in your training mm, cool I, I will try to keep it uh, short uh, I think I started when I was like six or seven just trying to do flips uh, at home on the old mattress and I was trying handstand uh, outside I was climbing trees and stuff like that so that was the beginnings and I think what uh, inspired, inspired me to do this was uh, watching Power Rangers and uh, Dra Dragon Ball Z. Uh, I think that was it. Uh, and after that I discovered parkour, so I just was watching a lot of parkour videos before YouTube, you know, when you had to download them from the internet or there was this uh, video Google stuff. I don't know if you remember. Mm. People, people were uploading uh, videos there. Yeah. Mm, no. So uh, after that, uh, I discovered that you can do flips, and uh, there's this uh, thing free running and, and tricking and acrobatics. So I, I was trying that, and so um, after a while, I realized I need to get stronger too, so I can do this better. So I started. Just basically staying when I was like 12 maybe, just uh, doing some uh, push-ups, sit-ups, uh, stuff like that. And after a while I started researching uh, this uh, more and more, uh, reading, watching videos. I started uh, researching nutrition and it just, it's been like that uh, for a long time uh, now and Along the way, I also started lifting some, some weights. So I needed to educate myself about uh, this too. And uh, the, the stretching, the mobility. So it's, it's, all, it's all connected for me. I, I'm all about uh, training and uh, everything that relates to it. So I, I try to uh, do that stuff, but also to ed educate myself as much as I can basically and, um, could you talk maybe a little bit about how to word it like the the choices that made you go from doing those flips and parkour and free running to learning more about nutrition and weightlifting and mobility because for me personally i I have kind of a very similar path to what you're talking about. I started doing the flips parkour free running because it looked cool. That's why I wanted to do it. I was a teenager, so what looked cool was what I was interested in doing. 
And on the side of that, I was also into bodybuilding type of training. But as time went on, my mind became more interested in practical training. So things that made your body better at doing things. And that led me further away from bodybuilding. It led me to power, a quick transition through powerlifting and then to Olympic weightlifting. And further to that, I realized that you needed certain amounts of flexibility to be able to be comfortable in a squat position, an overhead position. So it was always that thinking of how can I move better? But there's plenty of people out there that stick to say bodybuilding or stick to parkour. I'm wondering for you, what, what triggered your mind to think I should be incorporating weightlifting into this? I should be learning more about mobility. Do you kind of have that philosophy to be doing things that are practical or are you just going where your mind finds things are interesting, regardless of if it was practical or not? Uh, so with me, it was always about doing cool stuff, uh, being stronger, being better. I never really cared that uh, much about how I look, about uh, aesthetics. It just came uh, nat naturally with me and I never was really fat or super skinny, so I was always active. Uh, but uh, as I... Uh, was training and, and learning, I realized that there are, there are not uh, uh, a lot of good source of information uh, in the calisthenics world or in the tricking world, uh, parkour world, so I needed to learn from the powerlifters, from the uh, bodybuilders, uh, from weightlifters, because I think that's where the, the best information uh, is, uh, the best coaches, the, the best books. So that was the main motivation to, to delve uh, into this stuff. And uh, when I was learning from, from, from this stuff, I, I, I realized that I, I like it uh, too. I like uh, to, to do it, to, to, to learn about it, but it's not like uh, bodybuilding or powerlifting is my, uh, my main goal right now. It, it may be in the future, but I just like taking some, some stuff from from the bodybuilding, from the powerlifting, from the weightlifting and, and applying it uh, into my training. But I, I really try to be very focused and, and have a clear vision. That's what uh, why I've been working on uh, recently, to, to know what I want and to uh, make my training reflect that. So I don't want to do too, too much stuff at the same time because that's what uh, I always did. I, I tried to do flips and, and uh, be strong and, and uh, get bigger and, and be mobile and I realized that I'm going nowhere. I can do uh, a lot of uh, different stuff but I'm not really great at uh, any of, of uh, it and um, yeah, so, so that's basically. Yeah, it, it is a an interesting balancing act for people like us that enjoy doing weightlifting training, but also enjoy bodyweight training. And then also enjoy like learning how to do the splits, which is its own workout in itself. Was there a point where you realized that you were juggling too many things? And was it a bit of trial and error figuring out how to balance that out? Or did you just 
start to train specifically one thing for a block and then move over to another thing for a block. How did you find that balance? Uh, honestly, I, I'm still trying to figure out that balance. I, I don't think that I will ever be uh, able to say that I figured out completely because first of all, your, your goals uh, will be always changing. I think that's uh, how it is with most people. And uh, you will always have to think about how, to, how do I combine this stuff with with this stuff and uh, so I can really progress uh, good uh, with both and so they, that these both things don't uh, really, uh, how do I say it, uh, don't really compromise each other too much, yeah, so yeah. right now I, I'm trying to um, focus really on calisthenics, on the upper body uh, and just a little bit of mobility and uh, just some recreation, recreational tricking because uh, if I were to train the, my lower body really uh, seriously then I wouldn't be able to, to do tricking and to do the mobility because just as you said the, the mobility training is, is uh, like strength training, it's, it's yeah. very demanding. Yeah, so, so uh, yeah, go on. Uh, I, I realized that I need to uh, focus on few things for a block, like for, for example, and then focus on other things uh, on the, in the next block. I can't just do everything at, at once, it, it's pointless. I, I tried it before and you're just going nowhere. Yeah, I feel like that's a mistake that people could make. I definitely made early on and I think it's kind of a side effect of my overthinking mind as well, wanting to add more and more to the plate. So I feel like I'm accomplishing more and more. But as we were just saying, it eventuates in you trying to fit too many things into the, like through the door that nothing's fitting through. Um, so for me as well, it's I'm still working on it, trying to find that balance. Um, but you've found... Uh, I'd say you've found a fair bit of success in terms of where you've gotten with your calisthenics training. So you're quite a big guy in terms of when it comes to body weight, strength, skills, and what you can perform, right? So you're about 90 kilos, and I think we're the same height as well. How tall are you? It's 179 centimeters. Yeah. So we're the same uh, same height, but you've probably got like a good 10 kilos on me now, thanks to my marathon training. <laughs> so you'd be a fair bit thicker than me. <laughs> so how have you um, how have you found your I'm trying to think like the best way to word it? How have you found being heavier and going for these calisthenics strength skills? Are you at peace with the fact? that a full planche for you is a different difficulty level to someone who is lighter, shorter limbed, uh, like a smaller person in general. That skill will come easier, but to the general public, it's looked at the same level of strength, you doing it and someone smaller doing it. When I feel in actual fact, it's a lot harder for you. People don't see that, that increase in difficulty scaled 
per the size of the person doing it in body weight strength. Are you kind of at peace with that? Or have you ever wanted to perhaps lose weight so you can get a certain skill or trim down or anything like that? How do you tackle being a bigger guy doing calisthenic strength? Uh, yes, that's that's a very good uh, topic, very good question. I I realized that if you really want to be the best at calisthenics, uh, you can just uh, be a big guy, obviously, and it will be the best to just not train legs at all and just uh, have really low body fat and uh, even uh, maybe not having too much muscle uh, because uh, I bet you saw those... Uh, Russian stick kids uh, that just do Victorians and one arm pull-ups to the, to the waist and they, they don't have muscle on them and, and they're still performing very very hard skills so I don't uh, I don't think that hyper, hypertrophy is uh, as much is important for calisthenics as some people think it might be a little bit overrated but for me I I realized that yeah it, it would be cool to to be uh, super uh, good at calisthenics, but uh, at the same time, I, I wouldn't. I would feel like something is missing. Just how how can I not train the uh, half of my body? It's 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 stupid for me. I don't like it. Yeah. I I want to train my whole body. So I I came to the uh, uh, realization that it's okay that. Uh, maybe I won't be the, the best ever at calisthenics and I, even if I didn't train legs I wouldn't be because you have to be short too because yeah. if you look at gymnasts most of them are, are like 160 right so um, I, I just created this this vision for, my, for myself that I want to train legs uh, and I want, I want to uh, have a big big muscle but at the same time I want to be able to to do certain calisthenic skills to be able to control my uh, my body in space do some cool stuff but i want to combine the, uh, this this uh, this stuff a little bit uh, from weight training a little bit from calisthenics a little bit uh, mobility uh, and i'm okay with that and i realized that uh, some people can tell a difference and the the i need to Talk about heavyweight calisthenics because I I was using this uh, term a lot in the in the past uh, yeah. to um, to tell everyone that I I'm heavy so so look at me I I'm doing the stuff it's it's harder right yeah. so uh, but I I don't want to use it anymore because I don't like excuses I don't want to yeah. uh, to be like that you know I I just you have to do calisthenics and 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 do it the best you can and accept the fact that you are heavy or, or don't do it, don't just bitch about it, oh I'm heavy, I can't do stuff. That's why I I, I, I had a post of mine on my Instagram when I said I my legs are too big for calisthenics and I I deleted it because I don't want to have these excuses anymore, I, I don't want to um, promote this, this weak, weak mindset. I have the legs. Okay, let's let's do my best. Let's see if I can uh, achieve a straddle planche or, or full planche or or any other hard skill, and and that's it. Yeah, I, I think it's about um, be. I think you should be aware of it, but not let it ever eat into your mindset of 
of getting you down as to why you're not accomplishing something or why you shouldn't try and do something. I think for most of my time, it was I wanted to do, say, Iron Cross or Planche, and that was it. And there's progressions that I measured for what I had to achieve to get to that. And I followed that and I didn't ever think about my size being a factor. And whenever I did start to think about it, you, it can be addicting in a way to start to be like, well, there's a reason why I'm not where I'm at because of my size. And the, the trick of it is that it, it's almost, it's true in the sense of you put a video up recently on your Instagram that showed how far you had to lean for a full planche. And if you look at the amount of lean that you had to do for a full planche and compare it to someone who's got the more appropriate body composition for that skill, you can see it's leagues more difficult for you than it is for someone with shorter arms. So there's a factual base to it, but I think the reason why you're saying you stopped using heavyweight calisthenics, why I'm saying is you kind of don't want to think like that is because you don't want to then trick yourself into using it as an excuse because there should be no reason stopping you why you can't just put in your best efforts to achieve something like that regardless of your size. It's just that gray area when it comes to calisthenics because it's your body weight and everyone has a different body weight and everyone has different proportions and most skills in body weight are to do with angles and leverage. So I understand where you're coming from there. Um, another thing that you mentioned that you wanted to talk about was uh, recovery for, was that for calisthenics in particular or was that for training in general i mean in general because there's a lot of myths regarding recovery and uh, it's it's the topic that that i like because i i see a lot of people uh, think that they can do something to increase their recovery and it's uh, oftentimes not not true at all so well is is there anything specific to note in terms of um I think for me, one of the most common ones I hear is people getting into bodyweight training and experiencing tendonitis in the biceps tendon. Um, do you have anything specific to add to that for people that are coming into it? Because to me, I feel it's almost like getting calluses or a rip when you're doing false grip. It's kind of like a rite of passage that you're going to get that biceps tendonitis when you're introducing this kind of stuff. Um, do you kind of share that philosophy or do you look at trying to avoid that kind of thing at, at all costs? Mm, yeah, I, I'm trying to avoid it because I, I don't uh, really, ex I didn't uh, really experience this. Uh, uh, I, I think I had like uh, some kind of serious injury in, in my wrist from doing too much handstand push-ups uh, yep. a long time ago. But other than that, just I, I have some aches and pains uh, uh, sometimes, but but they go go away. I never uh, reached the point when it was uh, too too late. It was too much, and I'm trying to avoid it. And I think uh, the big problem with calisthenics is that people just 
try to do too much, uh, too soon, too much intensity. Yeah. They think that the more they do, the, the better they will get. Uh, and as I said before, there's not much really good information in the calisthenics world, so they don't uh, really know where to where to learn about the stuff. So they just watch the videos and, and just try stuff and, and do more and more and more. Uh, and the, the, of course, there's a genetic component to it. Some people have uh, stronger joints and, and tendons. Some, some people have uh, have worse. And there's nutrition and there's the sleep. I think the sleep is more important thing when it comes to recovery and uh, more and more uh, research research is uh, being done on this stuff that uh, if you if you don't sleep there's no point uh, in ever talking about any other recovery modalities because this is the the, the free and and uh, the most important uh, the best that you can do for your recovery so if someone is not sleeping uh, at least like seven seven hours uh, a night and there's no point in talking about anything else when it comes to recovery really hmm. yeah i feel like there's the big three right there's sleep diet like what you're eating and how you're training and I, i'm kind of talking about this when people talk to me about supplements or something additional to help them get better improve performance is the big three are just the basics like getting enough sleep eating the right things and training properly um I think it's quite simple, but people like to look for the quick fix. A hundred percent people like to look for the quick fix on things. And it's not a quick fix to change your sleeping pattern, your, your sleeping pattern. If you're staying up till like three and, you know, getting four or five hours sleep, um, it's easier to have this pre-workout for 30 bucks that G's me up to go out and smash my training. Um, and sleep is something I've always found the hardest to try to get right. So I think where I'm at at the moment is trying to adjust my thought pattern to the fact that there is an optimal time to sleep, not just uh, as in like time of day to sleep as not just the amount of hours. So previously I used to think that getting eight hours sleep a night is the goal, right? But I thought that applied to if you went to bed at 3 a.m. and got eight hours sleep and then got up. And what I've been hearing about lately, say in the last year or so, is the timing and the time of day that you do it is important too because you have an, a body clock that goes to, I don't know if it's the right word to say, the circadian rhythms, which operate at that, say, 10 p.m. bedtime slot to getting up around 6 7 a.m um have you read much on that and do you agree with that or think different yes yes i uh, i am aware that there is this uh, emerging uh, research uh, research about uh, chrononutrition uh, and uh, and about uh, this the sleep stuff too so it, it correlates i know it's uh, it's nutrition, but but it correlates because uh, in this research there there seems to be uh, this clock uh, that uh, regulates <laughs> how do I say it? regulates uh, 
where where uh, when it is it's uh, the best uh, time to to eat certain meals uh, and where when it's the best uh, time to sleep yeah just like you said so it it, it turns out uh, it may be uh, a good idea to to eat more of your calories in the morning because you can regulate your insulin levels uh, better and stuff like that. I'm not expert at, it, at this, but I just want to uh, to bring it uh, up. Uh, and the same with sleep. It, uh, I read some stuff that it might be better to, to sleep at night because this is a bio biological night, right? So yeah. Um, there's there's probably certain hours when the physical recovery takes place. There there are hours where more mental recovery takes place. So I read some stuff about it. I'm not the expert, but uh, there, there's definitely something to 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 that. So what times are you sleeping at the moment? What are you aiming to do? I'm trying to be at bed uh, at 10 p.m. usually. It, it's not always uh, the case, but mostly. And how? And what, what time are you getting out? Like six or uh, seven. So like uh, yeah, so eight or nine hours. Um, and is that drastically different to what you used to do? Like, have you recently overhauled the way that you're sleeping and noticed a difference? Because I feel like that's maybe one of the main things probably with the training and the diet as well, like getting good sleep is something to me that you don't really notice. Like, yes, I get if you're tired, a good night's sleep is amazing, but I feel like people that get say six or seven hours sleep and that's very normal to them and the sleep is happening between say 2 a.m. and 9 a.m., the difference of them changing it from 10 p.m. to 6 or something, the feelings initially will be negligible, so they're not going to bother to shift their sleeping pattern. I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons why it's hard for people to listen to this research and this information that's... The research is new, but the information that sleep's important has been around for ages. Like, since I was born, I would say I've heard sleep... Like, you got to get sleep... But people don't listen because it's not that immediate effect that a pre-workout can give or something like that. Uh, I, I think that um, we have to also take uh, into consideration that there are people who are night owls. Mm. Uh, and there's, there's something to it, uh, definitely. I, I've seen some, some research on it. So it's, it's maybe not like everyone will benefit from sleeping from 10 p.m. to, to 6 a.m., right? But... I think the the, the first thing, the most important thing, is to get uh, get your sleep, get the hours in, and sometimes even naps can be beneficial. But um, I, I don't want to talk too much about it because I'm not an expert, and uh, everyone can can find some stuff. Uh. So, what about personal experience? Did you find did did you overhaul your sleeping at any point and notice a drastic difference? Or did you kind of change your habits based on the research that you read? Just kind of trusting the the research? No, I think that uh, I've always been a morning person, so it's been similar for the whole life. I, I'm just uh, I'm just really feeling it when uh, I have a 
night where I uh, sleep less, like from yeah. uh, from the midnight or, or if I go even later, and uh, I can't really uh, wake up later. I no matter how um, late I go to bed, I always wake up around seven. That's good. I f yeah, I feel like that's good. Um, I've noticed that when I get a bad night's sleep, say I get four hours sleep, I'm going to wake up the next day. And uh, for some reason, I have a grace period. I have one day where I can have shock in sleep and feel great the next day. <laughs> but then the next night, if that's also bad, then it's caught up and I feel horrible. But I've also noticed when I oversleep. So if I go to bed at, say, 1 a.m. and get up at 11 a.m. or something, I feel just as bad as if I had a bad night of four hours sleep. Have you, uh, have you read anything or noticed anything on that? The opposite way, getting too much? Uh, I don't know about, I, I never really had too much sleep, I think. It's, <laughs> I, I just, just, I just can't, man. I, I just can't. I, I wish, sometimes I wish I could sleep longer, but I, I can't. It's like, I'm, I'm worried this way, that I need to wake up, I need to, do something that that day I, I can just lay in bed and do nothing. Uh, no, nah, I feel like that's the grass is greener. I feel I would want what you do is to be up at seven and get up. Like sometimes if I've got nothing on and I get up at um, like 11 a.m., I feel like the, an absolute slob. So the ability to at 7 a.m. just get up, I'd say you've got the, the better draw of the card there, man. <laughs> Maybe, um, but, but sometimes sometimes it uh, it sucks because even though I I woke up, I, but but I'm not really productive. Yeah. That uh, that yeah, day. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you mentioned earlier. You were talking about how you were into calisthenics, and I think you also said tricking. But there's not much research or information in I don't know how to train that better. How studies that have shown this or that so you've used strength training or weights training and kind of incorporated some of the work they've done in those areas into the calisthenics and tricking world um, so i wanted to know what kind of things have you found most beneficial that you've borrowed from weightlifting or strength training and incorporated into calisthenics uh, i think the, the most important thing is the the prioritization the the programming and the how to think about exercise selection how each exercise uh, affects you so, so i like the concepts from mike israel like uh, raw stimulus magnitude or stimulus to fatigue ratio uh, so basically how how long it will take you to recover from this exercise versus other exercise uh, how much stimulus it gives you um, compared to other stuff and how much it affects uh, not only your muscles but your your tendons uh, your bones uh, do do you it is uh, appropriate for your uh, structure and stuff like that um, i mean there, there's probably more but i i can think of it uh, right now okay so the the way you organize your training program you can take like the concepts of what they use in weightlifting for calisthenics. Yes, there's a lot of ideas and, and concepts and, and models and, and methods that you can transfer from, from 
weightlifting, from powerlifting, from bodybuilding to, to calisthenics, and that's that's what I tr try to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think it it uh, it is worth it, and I I, I see that that it really really helps. Yeah, because I have found it's definitely not the same thing. Like we need to be aware of that. Calisthenics isn't weightlifting training, but because not just for us, but specifically for us, calisthenics is a form of strength training because the type of skills, planche, iron cross, multis, they're strength skills, handstand push up. So to apply the principles of strength training to these, to working up towards these skills and their progressions makes total sense for someone like you or me is what I think. And, um, but the, the kind of caveat to that is that as we spoke about before, there's people that are, let's just say, have the perfect body type for calisthenics type training where a lot of these difficult skills for us are quite easy for them. They wouldn't benefit from strength training these skills. They would need to scale it to a skill that is that difficult. And then the secondary thing to that is, and let me know if you agree or not, is you need to consider for body weight calisthenics training the conditioning. So I was talking about the biceps tendonitis that I've noticed a lot of people myself got initially starting training for something like the back lever. Puts a lot of pressure there, which your body's not used to. So there's also, there's also that degree, uh, that, what do you call it? that thing to consider, I can't think of the right word, that thing to consider when doing it is calisthenics also has a conditioning component, if conditioning is, is even the right word. Um, but yeah, I, one of the main things I noticed was when I treated the planche like strength training, um, it had a lot of benefits for me because it is a specific strength skill. Did you find that kind of thing with your training for say planche? Yes, I think it's uh, it's not a good idea to look at certain things in calisthenics like skills and certain things like basics or, or strength stuff because every skill besides uh, besides handstand is is not really uh, it is a skill but not in the sense that that people think about it. It's it's a strength move, right? You you need to you need to build. Uh, uh, volume, need to increase intensity over time, and you need to program it, it uh, intelligently so so you can actually get better at it. And there's there's muscles involved that you need to uh, improve too. So for me, skill is is uh, more like uh, a handstand when it's it really uh, about uh, a lot of practice and and balance. And uh, everything else, I, I treat the same. Of course, there's skill, skill component and there's more uh, skill uh, involved in, in doing a planche compared to doing a push-up. But, but uh, that's, that's how I look at it. And when it comes to conditioning, I, I don't really treat it as something uh, separate mm. in calisthenics. Uh, I look at this uh, like... Um, you need to manage your your volume intensity uh, appropriately over time, and if you if you uh, do everything gradually and the 
there's not too much volume, not too much intensity, not, uh, not too much frequency, then you will slowly adapt to everything that you, that you want to do. Uh, I, don't, I don't really see uh, a point to, to do some, something special, separate to, to condition your, your joints and stuff, because the, the joints and tendons adapt uh, the best from heavy, heavy loading, but you can't do too much of it, so you have to be smart about how you are uh, building up to it, how, how you are programming uh, it over time. So I think that's the, the biggest uh, biggest factor there, and not just looking for magical exercises that will uh, make your tendons uh, stronger, because there, yeah. there's not really such such, such uh, things. You just just need to get stronger over time, but not not uh, too fast, not not trying to do too much too soon. And that's yeah. it, I think. Yeah. And um, how we're talking about calisthenics and weights training, mobility, do you kind of, I mean, how you're saying you don't separate, say, conditioning from the strength portions of calisthenics training. Do you look at calisthenics, mobility and weights training as training that overlaps each other? Or when you're thinking of training it, is it separate in your mind that the calisthenics is separate to the mobility is separate to the weights training. Mm, that's a very broad, broad topic, but um, I will try to answer it the best I can. I think that um, first of all, you, you need to have your goals specified. Uh, if your main goal is to do uh, to be good at calisthenics, uh, then you have to choose the um, exercises that you want to be good at right and so you look at those at those and you uh, you see i need uh, this amount of mobility in this joint and if you have mm, this amount of mobility already then there's no point to, to work on, on mobility any further so you can just then focus only on on strength training uh, and technique work right yeah uh, and um, the the weight training for calisthenics can be beneficial but i think it's mostly um, indirect uh, uh, transfer just from the fact that you are uh, overall stronger and you have uh, bigger muscles in the uh, in the right places the, the, that you that you need to. It's not like I don't really um, like to uh, look for uh, weight training exercise. To improve calisthenic, uh, calisthenics uh, yeah. skills or, or movements. Uh, so are you, are you thinking like? Um, sorry to interrupt. Are, are you thinking of like not using weights for calisthenics? Would a good example of that be um, when you hold two dumbbells, lie on a bench on your lie on your back on a bench and press them like you're doing planche press? Would that be a good example of something that you don't do or don't think is beneficial? Uh, I don't uh, do it, but it's not like I don't think it, uh, it cannot be beneficial because uh, it can. But uh, in my mind, I always try to um, find the the exercises that are m the most similar to the main movement. So if I yeah. if I want to work on on planche, I have a, a main uh, exercises for planche like static hold itself or. Uh, LC to, to planche or eccentrics, and then you look for um, 
accessories, right? Like, like in a powerlifting or, or weightlifting. So accessory for planche may be a, a planche lean, for example. And then there's exercises uh, that can be called uh, supplemental exercises that mm, the, the goal is to just build the muscles uh, that are used in planche, right? right? And, and here you, you really have a lot of, uh, mm, a lot of room to, to choose uh, different, different stuff. So here you, can, you could uh, possibly use those, those exercises with weights. To, to build the muscles, but then it's it uh, doesn't have to be that specific because the main goal is to build the, those muscles. So you don't really have to try to mimic the plant with dumbbells. You can just do any exercise that will grow your delts. And uh, I mean, you you could uh, um, treat this exercise you describe as an accessory, just like planche lean, and it maybe it will be fine. I don't know. I uh, I haven't tested it because I I try to um, be as specific as, as I can. Another another thing I wanted to get to was um, ha- how I mentioned that I wanted to have you on because of the the type of training that you're doing and also because of the type of research that you're posting on your stories gives me an indication of like how your thoughts are towards this type of training. I've seen that I don't necessarily disagree, but I've seen that some of the posts that you make are against the grain of what the general calisthenics or fitness community might think. So for example, um, I can't remember the exact wording, but you made a post that said, um, how to, I was like, how to spot an idiot and then you put in quotation marks, this um, Becoming a Supple Leopard is a good book for mobility, right? <laughs> and I have the Supple Leopard and I, I quite like it. <laughs> um, but my, my, my main question with that is because of like this, the type of research that you're reading, um, are you able to give some examples of, say, some unpopular opinions that you might have? And do you think that you have some opinions that are against the grain of the mainstream um, simply because the mainstream is, uh, what's the word, like misinformed? Or do you just feel that they're not aware that there's research on this kind of stuff? Do you feel like that step ahead just because you're, you've got, um, you're reading the research that is only recently emerging about calisthenics type training? Um, what are your thoughts on that? Well, with, with those posts, I, I try to uh, make people think. I, it's, it's supposed to be a little bit controversial and uh, a little bit uh, funny, I, I hope, yeah, because I, I have this, this sense of, of humor. Because there's just a lot of things that um, is in the mainstream that people do, that uh, people uh, parrot just everyone uh, talked uh, talk about same same stuff but i i started to really think if if there's anything to 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 back this stuff up if it's really true or just a tradition is or it's something that seems logical but just because something is logical doesn't mean that that it's uh, always true that it's always uh, uh, the case because 
for example, it may be logical to uh, try to uh, make your tendons stronger by, by doing a lot of uh, reps with uh, bands like band curls or, or, or band press downs or doing a lot of uh, bicep uh, curls and, and, and triceps extensions and uh, it may be true, it may be not true but I have a problem when people say it with a lot of confidence like this is the case, this is how you make your tendons stronger and yeah. they don't really provide any evidence for it, this is the, the problem and uh, when it comes to, to stuff that is not really uh, researched that much, like, like mobility, uh, this, is, this is really hard because uh, mm, there's a lot of people that just uh, heard about uh, Supple Leopard and, and read it and, and they think that that's it, that, that that's how, it, how mobility works and, and they just... Uh, <laughs> do it and, and tell everyone about it, just the, the joint, joint bend distractions and, and, yeah. and foam rolling and stuff like that. But you have to always um, uh, try to look for research uh, if there's uh, anything to back this stuff up. Of course, anecdotal evidence is, is are so valid and important and your experience and all, the, all of this, but there there's have to be more than that. Uh, and if you look at people who really get results at mobility thing they don't really foam roll or do any band stuff or, or, or other uh, silly silly things they just build the strength in their range of motion and, and um, it's not really that complicated and you just have to treat like like strength training right you have to progressively progressively overload you have to manage the volume frequency intensity you have to be specific you have to um, not not do too much uh, things that that will um, that will uh, compromise each other. So I mean, you know what what I mean, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we need people or posts like that that do kind of trigger people because it snaps them out of their way of thinking. Um, like of course a lot of people will get triggered and just lash out but i think the smart ones will be like why does this give me a knee-jerk reaction that i think this is wrong why do i think this is wrong i've actually never considered why maybe i should look into it i feel like the posts i was talking about that you were making can be that little seed for people to start questioning because fitness is so Yes, there's such valuable research to go and read and learn and learn how to um, approach your fitness journey, but it is also very individualized. For one example is what we were talking about, people having different body compositions and it making their calisthenic, uh, calisthenics strength skills harder or easier depending on how they are. Like That alone will make someone's fitness journey different to someone else. So I think what can happen is a big famous book or person who represents a certain training modality can come out and the things that are uh, the things that are taught or lessons learned from that book or that person are taken and absorbed by the general public and then kind of what's the right word like say 
Becoming a Supple Leopard, for example, it's more than a foam rolling book, but what a lot of people got out of the book was foam rolling. And then that goes into the general public and then you see people foam rolling and they don't even really know why. They just got caught up in the zeitgeist of mobility meaning foam rolling, not questioning it and thinking they're doing something good when they might not even need to be doing that. Like I think I was foam rolling for a long time before I realized I can actually get on with my workout without needing to do any kind of um, foam rolling that I thought was essential or super helpful for me. Uh, yeah, I, I think that there's a lot of stuff that you people think that they need to do, that it is helpful, but they, they don't really need to do it. Uh, uh, but it's, it's comforting to, uh, to think that uh, I, that you can somehow skip the, the hard stuff and just do a little bit foam rolling, a little bit bent distraction here, I just use some, some tips, some, some, some trick. But, but really, when it comes down to it, it's it just consistency, it's just hard work, just uh, figuring out what works uh, for most people and what uh, works for you, because there does have to be individual individualization, of course. And um, if someone is really uh, serious about uh, mobility training, they, they know that, that this book is not really that great. And, and I think that... Uh, no one who is uh, good at uh, it and and, and respected uh, in the in the mobility, uh, how do I say, it, community or, or or area is is not thinking about Kelly Starrett as a as a person to to learn from. Yeah, do, is there um, any specific things about the the book? that you find you disagree with. Um, for me, the most benefit I got out of that book is just the concepts of, uh, you, you know, using like self pressure through a lacrosse ball or something um, to release tension in a muscle or voodoo flossing, um, things like that. Um, I don't, don't take away that it's essential, but I add them as um, bits of information I can put in my like mental toolbox for if I feel like I'm tight somewhere or if I feel the current activities I'm doing are causing me to be going to get tight in my rear delts, for example, I have something I can go to that can kind of offset that. Yeah, I think... How, how do you look at the book? Uh, I think all this uh, self-massage stuff and then the voodoo flossing and uh, all this, it's, it's mostly... Uh, how do I say it? It's most mostly mental, like a placebo. Yes, like a placebo, like like mental yeah. and 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 temporary uh, benefits. Uh, because uh, of course, if you foam roll really good for workout, you will have the increased range of motion for a short amount of time. But uh, it it won't last. You will have to do it every every damn time uh, you work out. So your goal should be really to find a way to increase your mobility permanently so so you can just um, start your workout with with a specific warm-up without the need of, of all these extra uh, tools but uh, if you are aware that it's it's nothing magical it's it's mostly mental it's it's mostly temporary stuff uh, 
and you still want to do it because you enjoy it, because uh, it makes your work better, then okay, I, I don't really care, but uh, the point is to, to understand that this is not really mobility work. Mobility work is is like strength training. You, you have to build a strength in the range of motion uh, and it doesn't uh, also have to be really complicated because, for example, if you can't squat deep, most people think that you need to uh, have some routine, some mobility routine for, for squats or some special exercises for the ankle joint, for the hip joint. And, and uh, really, it, uh, all it takes is just squatting more and trying to actively push yourself a little bit deeper each time at the appropriate uh, intensity. So you don't want too light weights because they, they won't push you um, enough into the new range and you don't want to uh, weights that are too heavy because uh, then you will just be thinking about lifting in and not about uh, increasing your range of motion. So you, you, you could... Uh, either um, spend five minutes rolling and then doing uh, some warm-up or you can just uh, exchange those five minutes of rolling for for extra five minutes of, of specific warm-up and I think that you will uh, have a better uh, session and better uh, better feeling for the for the squad if you just did more more squats uh, in the warm-up in, instead one last point I wanted to, well, not a point, just something I wanted to add to that was the tools that I was saying, like the voodoo flossing, um, using a lacrosse ball uh, to get that trigger point release and stuff from the supple leopard. I look at them as um, supplements to getting like a sports massage. So getting a masseuse to do deep tissue work. Um, am I going in a different direction to how you're looking at the book or is that also to say that um, you find that deep tissue massage is also another like very mental thing that you can't achieve a, like releasing a muscle or relaxing a muscle from a tightened state through pressure? First of all, I, I feel like I, I shouldn't be talking too much about, about this topic of, of uh, massage and, and uh, this... this uh, physiotherapist uh, stuff because I, I'm not an expert but I try to follow the, yeah. the best in the field and learn from them so that's why I, I know some stuff about it and uh, for yeah. for me I I think the the best in the field right now and uh, the ones that I learned the most from are the barbell medicine uh, crew the, they have a few people that specialize in, in this in this stuff and they bust a lot of myths surrounding the, 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 all the physiotherapy uh, components and the physiotherapy practice uh, and also the clinical athletes. So uh, I think that people should, uh, should, should check, uh, check those uh, people uh, if they want to educate, educate themselves. And as far as I know, the, there's not much, there's, there's, there's not uh, much evidence, or, or maybe not, uh, not evidence, uh, no, not evidence at all. No, that's not how you say it. But uh, about <laughs> about the the massage thing that it uh, that you can actually uh, change the, the the tissue structure because the. There's no not uh, enough uh, 
enough pressure, enough, enough force to, to change those, those tissues. So it's mostly um, what I what I learned is that massage helps indirectly because you are just uh, in this relaxed state. So it affects your nervous system. It it helps you recover better because you are simply relaxed. You have uh, some other person touching you, it, 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 it's cool stuff, it, it's relaxing, it's comforting and uh, I don't think there's much to the, the blood flow stuff or, or that you can actually uh, affect those, those tissues but it's mostly like um, through under, indirect, indirect measures, measures, measures. <laughs> oh man, my, my English not not that good. That's oh, fine man. Measures. Good, good measures, yeah. Um, and what were the two, well, I know there's more than two, but what were those two sources you said um, you refer to a lot? Was it barbell medicine? Yes, barbell medicine. Uh, there's uh, Derek underscore barbell medicine on Instagram and Michael underscore barbell medicine. They are uh, specializing. Right. I think I follow one of them. Uh, that's good, man. They are specializing in the, in the yeah. physio, physiotherapy stuff and also the clinical athlete the queen uh, queen Hemmer right. is, is there and other people so i think those are the the best sources so changing course a little bit um one of the i think you've seen it i put out a video recently called planch genesis evangelion which it's a parody video but it touches on the mental approach you can take towards form within calisthenics. So doing the comparison again to weightlifting, you've got a squat and there's definitely good form and bad form of a squat. But if you can put the barbell on your back, squat down and stand back up, you've done the squat. But in calisthenics, there can be a bit more of a gray area where because it's not an up and down concentric eccentric uh, part of the movement it's a hold there are degrees of acceptance to certain techniques where straight arms is a big thing in the calisthenics world for things like planche and iron cross and to me straight arms is important so much to the degree that if you are holding yourself for an iron cross on the rings out with your arms your hands in line with your shoulders your arms are horizontal but your arms are bent that is not an iron cross to me so i wanted to know what your kind of take on calisthenics and the world of um technique and form because i feel like it's uh somewhat relaxed in uh the calisthenics world and because I got into it uh, through gymnastics, I have a, upheld a stronger um, le a, a stronger level or a stronger threshold for what I would accept. Um, where do you fit on that line when it comes to technique in calisthenics strength and how important do you think it is for people to abide by quote-unquote perfect technique? Well, first of all, I need to state that I am a form Nazi and I, I just upset with perfect form. Uh, but at the same time, I, I realized that uh, it's not always uh, the best. 
uh, approach to have. But that's, that's just me. Yeah. I have a high standards, and I, if I am to do this, I I want to do it the best uh, I can. So it uh, it looks the best, it it works the best. But in, in calisthenics, there's not really a standard that that you can ad- adhere to, that you can co- compare yourself to, because it's not really a sport, right? We're just doing it for for fun, and everyone can have the, their own standards, and it's okay. But there's, there's this problem because some person can say that oh I can do a planche and you look at it and have he have a, a bent elbows so we, we kind of mm. kind of don't don't have standard but we need some standards so we can communicate better so I don't have a problem if someone does a bent arm banana planche but I have problem when when he calls it a planche because it's it's misleading to everyone and. It's hard yeah. to communicate, um, but uh, in in gymnastics you have uh, you have standards. But I I don't think the I'm not sure, but I think the their standards are that rigid. I think that that there's some um, some gray gray area there. That it's not like your your planche have to be perfectly protract, perfectly neutral chest and uh, head neutral and everything like that. I think if if you do a planche with neutral uh, uh, scapula it's it's still acceptable as long as you hold it for like two or three seconds i I don't know maybe you can correct me on that yeah i'm I'm not sure about the um the protraction of the shoulders um but my uh my idea of it is that there is a, a a strict tolerance to good form and when I say good form, I just mean the things that you or I would consider good form in a planche. Um, but you won't necessarily see perfect planches when you're watching a routine um, all the time because the skill can still be counted with lesser form. There are just deductions for all the things that you mentioned, like an arch back or bent arms or not holding it long enough. Um, but yeah, I, I just feel that... Um, there's nothing to be lost by striving for perfect form, but it's a slippery slope to allow bad form. Because if you look at it, what I think a lot of us could agree on is that slightly bad form can be acceptable in a max attempt. I still think that applies more to weightlifting than it does to calisthenics because if you're going for a full planche, which is your max, and it's bad form, you may count it or you may say, I'm nearly there. You would more expect that doing a full planche is a demonstration of where you're at as opposed to maxing out your squat is an attempt to see where you're at. But I feel if you were to be loose, you have nothing to lose by going, oh, I did a full planche, my back was arched, um, which shows that it was, you know, a little bit inactivated. Uh, I wasn't completely engaged with it. There's still a little bit of weakness there. There's nothing to be lost from saying that, but there is something to be lost by accepting that and then letting it be a slippery slope to then say you're doing handstand push-ups or something and you're going for your, you can only get two reps out, for example, um, and your feet are coming apart your legs are bending over you, 
your butt's relaxed, like your posterior chain's not activated. And then you accept that. And then you go on for like Maltese and I don't know, your arms are bending at like, I feel that there's nothing to be lost from striving for perfection, but you could easily get looser and looser with what you consider to count as that skill if you are looser with your standards. And then I completely agree with what you said in that we need a standard because that's what allows us to communicate to each other more effectively. And as calisthenics by definition has been around for a long time, calisthenics as a sport or a training modality like we are doing is relatively new. So I think it would benefit extremely from having more uh more form or technique that we universally all accept as opposed to if someone's got a mass following like um that guy with the neck tattoos on youtube chris delia no that's the comedian what's what's his name chris hurt something yeah yeah that guy um if he does a is his planch good? I don't even know. I'm just saying, if someone with a big following does it and it looks trash, but if they've got a big following, they now will consider that a planch. Yeah. Bit of a ramble, but is that kind of the, where you're sitting? Uh, I think we, well? ha- we also have to um, uh, divide uh, the training uh, form and the, the form that you use to, to, to show off, to, to perform. Because in training, I think it's okay to allow a little bit of uh, form deviation, but uh, not too much. I, I just have some some standards that need to be met uh, for me to, uh, to, to count it as a, as a rep or as a hold. But if there's a little bit de- yeah. deviation, then that's okay. That's just uh, training. But I think some people just take it too far and they, they have... Uh, training form that is just not productive in the in the long run for for what they're trying to achieve. Uh, I think if you are training for handstand push-ups and you let your uh, scapula go too much into the retracted position and you arching your back uh, a lot uh, just to do the reps, just to go deeper. I don't think it's it's very productive. Productive if your goal in the future uh, is to do uh, a nice um, clean handstand push-ups and uh, 90 degree push-ups later I think it's better to just uh, maybe uh, do cluster sets so you can accumulate more uh, cleaner reps instead of just trying to do more and more reps uh, or maybe find a pipe push-up variation that is uh, Part that you can execute all the proper cues on and stuff like that. Yeah, because what has to be lost is you become more prone to injury. And then if you have any kind of influence, you're communicating that to other people, which is then kind of like the coronavirus infecting other people to then potentially be doing bad form and getting injured as well. Um. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about, man, in terms of uh, where we're at in the calisthenics world? Any research you've been looking into to communicate to the masses? 
uh, I mean the the biggest thing in in calisthenics community that that I don't like I think it's the the exercise selection for for your goals and just doing to to many different exercises at the at the same time and yeah. a lot of exercises that don't really transfer well because people don't really realize that strength is joint angle specific and you really need really need to pay close attention to the joint angles that you uh, that you go through in the in the exercise uh, so i think it's it's helpful to um, to look at the at your goal and to find the exercises that are uh, your main exercises just like i i said before like for for planche you have your hold your eccentric your else to planche is the the most specific stuff um, the the main uh, main thing uh, and then you have exercises that are still um, specific when it comes to joint angles uh, but a little bit easier that that can help you so so then you you choose exercises with similar joint angles but that are a little bit easier so you can um, do more volume on them for example or, or you can have uh, them on light day you can you can have hard day when you do main exercise you can you can have uh, light day when you do assistance exercise like planche lean uh, for, for the planche and then you tr you can try to find exercises that uh, will build the muscles uh, needed so you need to uh, look at the joint angles and uh, the muscles uh, needed for the exercise i think that's that's really important and a lot of people don't uh, think about uh, it in this way um, and sometimes maybe you don't need uh, bigger muscles uh, for for the center certain move you just need to build the joint angle specific strength there and also strength is not only only joint angle specific um, there's there's more than that i have a post on my instagram about how strength is specific and there's a book uh, from chris Bersley. strength is specific it's very cheap on the amazon and there's some free stuff too and that's that's the first thing that that I will encourage all the calisthenics uh, athletes to to look into how how strength is specific and that you re really need to be um, uh, how do I say it you really need to be t t thoughtful when you when you select the exercises yeah. for your goals. Because I yeah. if I can just give one more example. Uh, the, the mistake I, I did before is using uh, exercises that uh, have too much momentum uh, because yeah. strength is also specific to the, the velocity uh, of the exercise. Uh, so if you have uh, if your goal is to do a front lever and you do front lever rises starting from the hang and you just swing your uh, legs back and forth, then yeah. it's it's not really helping you to build strength in that uh, it doesn't uh, really disadvantageous uh, position when you are horizontal because you're just swinging to the position you are split second there and you go back down and then 
most people don't even uh, stop there for, for two or three seconds, they, they just go for another rep and just swinging back and forth, back and forth. They're, they're tiring themselves uh, themselves out, but there's not really uh, any transfer to the, to the front lever in the future. So uh, this exercise can yeah. be good if you, if you do it really, really slow on the concentric and the eccentrics uh, and you pause at the bottom. Uh, and maybe even at the top if you can, but uh, other than that, it's 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 not very good idea. Uh, and also, if you if you use a, a lot of momentum, uh, your body is uh, weightless. Uh, yeah. F in that in that position for that split second, because you you went there with the momentum. So it's it's some basic physics that I don't really understand that much, but I know that's the case. Yeah, I've, I found that early on with ice cream makers um, for front lever. So where you like, you pull up chin above the bar and I can kind of like throw yourself back into front lever and pull yourself back up. Um, I think there could be benefit in that, but only if you're already very strong with the front lever anyway. And I find that skill is uh, recommended to a lot of, or that exercise is recommended to a lot of beginners, which uh, I don't agree with. And for a large part, yeah, a lot of the, the dynamic stuff that you mentioned is, um, yeah, I agree with. It's all too quick. There's no time within it to develop any uh, strength. The only times where the dynamic works is when it's controlled. Um, yeah, but for example, like yeah, I would like to add uh, that it's not like all momentum is bad. If your goal is there, is 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 uh, if your goal is exercise that uses momentum, then of course you need to uh, use momentum, right? If you want to um, be good at uh, front level rises with momentum for for some reason, because why not? And then of course use momentum, but you have to. Uh, look at it uh, like uh, what is the the velocity of the the exercise that you try to achieve. So if it's static, then then you need to bias your training toward uh, static stuff and, and slower control stuff. If it's dynamic, then then of course you have to be more dynamic. If you want to do a muscle up, then you have to be explosive. So you so you work on explosive pull ups, right? So mm. that's it. Mm. Yeah, totally. Um, awesome, Jakub. Um, where can you do online coaching? You have your Instagram. Uh, where can people find you if they want to uh, hire you as their coach, if they want to see some of the like awesome free content that you're putting out? Uh, I'm mostly active on my Instagram right now. It's uh, yep. Jakub Kowalski93. Um, I post a lot of... How do you spell that? Uh, J A K U B K O W A L S K K K and uh, I I yeah ninety three yeah I'll I'll put the link in the description but just if people are listening to it um, on the audio version um, thanks so much for coming on man it was really good conversation a lot of uh. It's, you can't always dive that deep into talking about calisthenics training. So that was a really good conversation, man. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on. Thank you very much, man.